This is Ibrahim Mimo from Openism. This is Yusuf, part of Selfie Cowboy, one half. We're artists from California here in Dubai. Welcome to your tribe. Yo, check it out. A whole new generation of young people today who belong nowhere. But I prefer to be an outcast. Third culture kids where the concept of the Dukan is the, the corner shop or the top Hi, shop. We are live outside. Hey, yo, what's up, people? What up, nation? It's a revolution of expression. You tuned into the Dukan show. Stay tuned in. Arab digital generation is shaping our identity, their creative expression, and their future. So please give a very warm welcome. The Dukan. Welcome to your tribe. I'm so fascinated by because I don't even remember how I came about like learning about openism. I just I think somebody shared something or somehow you guys popped up on my Instagram feed, mm-hmm. and I've been like following what you guys have been doing since. Yeah. And your what I liked was that your designs are a bit unusual. There's not standard what you expect a shirt to look like. Mm-hmm. Okay. For example, right? Okay. Yeah. And like exactly. even your. Um, your stylization when it comes to like your photography and the way you're you're choosing your shots, even your models, they don't fit the status quo of a uh, fashion. Brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get what I'm saying? Exactly. Like that's what stood out first exactly. thing. Like it was exactly. so. How did like how did that thinking process go? Okay, so. So like, the premise of my design and the way I design is by coming up with a story first with the concept first okay um both yusuf and i are very like literal people so like i actually met yusuf at this um muslim interscholastic uh, tournament that we had like our muslim 30 muslim? it's called mist yeah wait it's called it's a muslim it's a muslim interscholastic tournament that uh popped off in the united states what tournament is that it's called mist and so it just what do you do? Like, is it gaming? So basically, like... <laughs> I'm so... It, it is gaming. No, it's well, it's, it's, it's scholastic gaming, right? So basically, yeah. like, our third year in high school was his senior year, my third year, which was my last year of high school. Um, we we all went to, like, a local university, and basically they they had all these, all these Muslim uh, high school teams. They mm-hmm. made... All mm-hmm. the Muslim groups from various yeah. high schools around SoCal made teams. And you compete in scholastic uh, games, basically. So we had like debate, mm-hmm. we had um, like uh, group projects. You had public speaking, extemporaneous essay. Yo, that's legit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where I met Yusuf, mm-hmm. and we like instantly clicked. And I mentioned that because uh, we're very like literal people. We're always reading, writing. Yusuf has a few things published and stuff like that. And that's kind of um, how I go into design, right? So like, I'm a huge film guy, huge music guy. Everything is about like the vibe, the story, and then from that comes the actual piece or whatever. So I always try to come up with a story, and then after coming up with the story, coming up with some sort of like um, storyboard theme and stuff like that, then I'll come up with the design. So like my first collection, which was called Forget Colors mm-hmm. for Fall Winter 14, um, under Underground Visionaries, that was like that was my first. That was my first full collection, and basically the theme for that and the vibe for that was me recontextualizing traditional Syrian shami clothing mm. to be worn in Los Angeles. Sick. Right. So I took like the classic thobe, which actually I think you saw me wearing yesterday. The one you're wearing, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. But like the difference between my thobe and a kendura you might find here in the Emirat is that my sleeves aren't loose. Like yeah, you're it's a like shirt, They're like shirt sleeves. 
Yeah, it's a sham. It's like a, a sham Oxford is what is the name for our like standard Oxford with a sham collar, which is like a yeah. Mandarin collar. But you have that little detail on the side at the exactly. bottom. Exactly. And what that is, is that's a side slit that you can run in. So you can run in our jalabis, right? And <laughs> Yo, if you're a girl, you can dance, you can You know what's it. genius about that? Like, the Saudi and the Emirati kids don't have to, like, hold their Thobor Kandor in their teeth as they play soccer. Yeah. Right? That's it. Like, they just, like, hold that up. And yeah, then, yeah, yeah. Yo. Yeah. So th those are things like that you'll see so, like in you the clothing. <laughs> I'm trying to solve problems. So, like, I actually, like, when I'm developing the clothes, I sample everything for myself so that I can wear it. Mm -hmm. And, like, I do this thing where I'm not releasing any piece that I can't sleep in because then it's not comfortable. Mm. Right, so like my champagne. So that, that's your like comfort benchmark. Well, yeah. So I'm not releasing anything that does not have an absolute like, like if it's not functional, I'm not selling it. Okay. If there's no use for it, it's not on the piece, right? So all of our pieces have pockets, hidden pockets, everywhere, nice. right? So the thobe has pockets on the side. A blazer will have pockets. I made a silk fustan dress, or two seasons ago. It was my first, uh, it wasn't my first dress, but it was the first dress we released. And basically what I did is I broke down that same flow you saw, mm -hmm. but for a woman. So it's shoulderless, and then also like at, at the waist you can fold it over. And that, that came out because um, this girl that I had given a throw to, like she, she did a shoot in Al Maghrib, and the way she styled it was by folding over my throat. Okay, so she had her like uh, Yeah, she yeah. added her her own style where she folded over the throat at the waist, and then after seeing that, I was like, damn, I should I should do yeah. that. I should add to it, and then that's how I I came out with my first like dress. But everything, and then like so in the fold over, there are mm -hmm. these hidden inserted pockets, right? So okay. it's like things like that, but it all comes from like this belief that I have that um, Shami style is what it, like what we were wearing in Sham and mm -hmm. as most of us should probably know Sham is Philistine, Syria, El uh, Urdun and parts of Iraq and that greater region right that's Sham, Bilad Sham and I believe that our style is why the French have become so influential in the fashion world I believe that when they came and they took over mm -hmm. our lands they took a lot of our style and a lot of what we were wearing, reappropriated it or just flatly appropriated it. Yeah. And that's why they have been killing it ever since. Like what? Like uh, so there are some basic things that they do when it comes to their pants and the way they you you have probably seen like high waisted pants or whatever. That comes from a shilwa. Which is which is a traditional Syrian pant that yeah. is worn all the way yeah. up to yeah. above your belly. Right? Yeah. And then, um, so, so actually, like, Syrian, OG Syrian style is not a jilabi. That's not what we wear. What we wear is actually very colorful, very textile-based. Um, it's got all those beautiful colorways that you see and that we associate with, like, majalises and stuff. Mm. That's Shami style. The red, the black, the okay, white, those, those geometric designs, yeah. the flowers. All of that you now see in traditional French and even Italian design. That's what a lot of people associate directly with, like, Hermes, Louis Vuitton. But that's not them. That came from you guys. That's what I think. I mean, that could, that's obviously a hot take, but yeah. that's what I think. But you should, like, dig deeper into this, because, like, what we try to tackle a lot on this show is you guys and myself, i.e., being third culture kids, being simply or politicized at birth right 
um, just by sort of who you are and where you come from, and um, trying to find your tribe and connecting with people like yourself, like you and Yusuf and, and Nomar, finding each other. And like, you know, these are all points where we've dealt with it firsthand and we address it in so many different ways. And we realize that like the different styles of cultural elements that play a fact, i.e. like cultural objects, be it mm -hmm. fashion, food, music, film, art, um, all these little things that, that affect pop culture, right, are our way of iterating what is our statement, right, and what it is that we're trying to say, and how we're trying to counter whatever stereotypes are there, or, you know, just sheer wanting to be heard. Absolutely. Right? Like, I find, I love it when people are doing things like that, because, like, it's, it's so important to, that it's out there for the world to see. Yeah. Um, and it's, what's the word? I think it's, it's poignant. Yeah, very much so. And and like you said, we are absolutely politicized at birth. So like for me, my mom is American and my dad is Syrian. And they mm -hmm. met when my mom was studying architecture in Syria, in Sham. Wow. Right? I, I don't know the full story or whatever, but like that's how they met. And my mom actually converted before meeting my dad. Right? Okay. So it wasn't that classic story. It was yeah. like, nah, she made her own decision. Then she met my dad. Right? Then she brought my dad to the U.S., you know what I mean? Yeah. And me, as soon as I came to the United States, and I was born in the United States, you know, growing up, alhamdulillah, I went to, like, an Islamic school, Arabic school. But by birth, you know, like, I'm half white, but I'm fully <laughs> Arab, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I tracks. actually just met this cool person yesterday that was telling me that you're not half white like she she's like half uh half half british half indian mm -hmm. and she was telling me she's she's actually been going with this thing this thing where she calls herself like i'm i'm double indian now you know because mm -hmm. it's even it's even harder to be half this half that added with the fact that like we're not i'm not actually living in Syria. yeah i'm living in the united states and my dad is the only person in his entire family that has left the Arab world, right? While simultaneously growing up and seeing my dad, like, prosper, build his own business, and then also support his entire family in the Middle East, take care of all of them, and then obviously now we were hit with the revolution and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. But, like, by birth, we're politicized. Yeah, yeah. Everyone around us, it, it's, like, your I, existence I wish, is a challenge. I wish Reem was here, like, she had to run, because, like, Reem being half Iraqi, half Filipino, Yes. Right? Canadian. Born in Manila. Spent her earlier years in Baghdad. And then moving to Canada. And, like, technically, culturally, whatever. Okay? She's Canadian. But, like, she's still politicized because of that background. And, like, it's, it's something we always feel like it's important to address and it's important to voice out. You know? It's like we need to talk about it all the time. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and we don't even want to. No. Not all the time. It's like, yo, I'm... That's just who I am, like, so what, right? But then, like, that, so, so at first, when I first started designing, and, and uh, to, to go back to your initial question, um, why it's called mm -hmm. openism, so first and foremost, the one thing I did not want to do was call the brand my own name, mm -hmm. right? Unfortunately, I named it something that, what, that I'm not so cool with anymore. It was Underground Visionaries. Alhamdulillah, we, you know, we faced challenges and we were forced to change the name, but I am ever so grateful for that. Yeah. And now I'm so You're comfortable with openism, yeah, right? But openism is basically my pseudonym. Yeah. 
Mm. But so I, I'm not. I may one day have a line called Ibrahim Mimo. Mm. I highly doubt it. Probably be called Sham or some. Sh- yeah. Right. Um, and because that's why that, that allows for succession. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, this is yeah. It's my company, but at the same time, like, you know, we got these guys involved. Yeah. You're involved just by association, right? Exactly. We want we want something that exists that we own as Arabs, as Muslims, but it's something that everyone can feel a part of. That's why a lot of times, like these guys will tell you when when we're talking about things, it's always we. It's it's not I. Yeah. And that's how it is, and that's why it's openism, right? Legit, yeah. Yeah, and and then so like coming back, openism. When I first started, yeah, I initially wanted. Uh, well, I fundamentally want to highlight our design and our heritage and make it something that's normal and commonplace. And so, like, it was very cool. My first season, we had Thobes and stuff in the collection. And then that sold, that was sold, those pieces were sold at a few stores in L.A. And then a few months later, I was sent back photos of, like, girls wearing our Thobes at Coachella. No way. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's, yeah. you know, and, like... Even Omar and I, when we made the pieces, we were like, damn, are we going to sell these or whatever? And then they told us, yeah, so we sold like three first week in Coachella. Next weekend, we sold six or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, we're selling these stoves for $800, right? Do, do you guys try to attach um, like statements to your pieces? So no. You're selling them? No. Not at all. The only, so what we do, the only thing we have that is a little statement oriented or whatever and that's a new project, and that's Selfie Cowboy. Okay. And that's why we, we're doing Selfie Cowboy. When, when Yusuf uh, came to me with that, with that concept, originally it was like his, uh, his rap pseudonym, right? Yeah, so Selfie Cowboy really started. I was in college, and I started to make music. And I was looking through my notes, and um, I had written Selfie Cowboy when I was in Egypt at this Ahua in like 2013 I don't know why it just popped into my head and I just wrote it down you know yeah. and uh, I was like this is going to be a good DJ name so I put it down um, <laughs> and the reason why I started like even like trying to DJ whatever I was always into music but um, I was working f- as an editor and a writer for this College Hill Independent which was like an independent newspaper yeah. and we were looking to do like new projects and one of those projects was like a mixtape like a weekly mixtape thing where we'd get people on staff to contribute yeah. So, like, that's how I first started, like, messing with audio software and Logic, and I learned Logic, and I would just mess with, like, audio collaging, and then I started getting into music production. So, mm-hmm. Selfie Cowboy was a SoundCloud, and it's still, to this ex- to this day, is, like, I release music under different, not under Selfie Cowboy, but under different names, mm-hmm. uh, Lord Levant and Yusuf Whip, and there's also, there's a bunch of different names, but that's in our culture, I think, to just yeah. have, like, a bunch of names for different shit. Um, that's, that's, cool. that's like, like so. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. So that's exactly like Mad Lim, Mad of Doom, Henry Wu. There's a bunch of people yeah, so that like we can go like, on and on. You want to keep it mysterious, ish. Sort of like I'm cool embodying it, but it's just a way for me to like divide up like sort of creative output, and it's also they still make music. yeah, I actively make music, but um, really, so that's just one origin story for Selfie Cowboy, where we call it mm-hmm. SC for short. But um, Wait, before you continue, I'm gonna yeah. call you out on this. We have the music mix at the end of the episode. Yeah. Drop a 20 minute mix. So I know if you're here or you're flying, you gotta send me a 20 minute music. We would love to, yeah, yeah. definitely contribute. We to were that. hoping. We were actually ask, hoping. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna make it more difficult because licensing. So you gotta make sure. Oh, we could get that. They're like regional, local, whatever artists that. Maybe I'll sneak in one of my songs in as well. Exactly. Do it. <laughs> I think we could get it. Henry Wu. We could get. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. Cool. Like the public's got to hear this. Yeah, so Selfie Cowboy, and it wasn't really fleshed out yet as a character. It was just the the name. And um, I knew there was something in the name, just like the pairing of these two archetypes. So then Ebrahim really, like, when he... I, I guess I didn't really, like, outside of the music, I didn't really think it had any, like, real potential in the way that he saw it. Yeah. And he came to me and, like, kind of was like, we should produce this in, like, a, in a bigger way. Yeah. So then that's kind of where, we, where we've where we been taking Selfie Cowboy. Okay, um, and, and where are you guys taking it now? Like, uh, I saw it as, um, it started off, okay, I, I mean, I just saw the stickers, and I think yeah. that's how I connected with you guys. I didn't even know you guys were at Circal, and then... I think I was talking to him. I was like, yo, these slickers are dope. Yeah. No, I was talking to Chindi. And Chindi was like, oh, you got to talk to Brave. That's him. Mm. Right? Yeah. And like, I just saw them. Like, that's just genius. Thank you. I loved it. So I was like, so now I've seen the sticker and the character. Like, where yeah. is it going? Okay, well, before we say where it's going, let's talk about where it started. Okay. Like, yeah. So his, it was his, his like, his pseudonym. pseudonym, right? Yeah. And then he was telling me about it. And I was like, at first, I believe you were like, I want to do some merch for my EP or whatever. Mm. And at and at that time, he was still very new in the music game and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not a game for us. It's just like, we just like music. We just yeah, vibe. He's, yeah, he's yeah. vibing out constantly. Like, my roommate's a producer as well. Shout out Noor, Egyptian Toker. Oh, no, he, now he's Castle. Castle, Shout out to yeah. Him. Castle. We'll put him yeah. in the mix. Yeah. But, like, at the time, at first, it was like, all right, I'm going to make a small run of t-shirts or whatever Mm -hmm. and then after a few months sitting on and working on this site and all these things we turned it into this to this full-fledged platform and it actually took us almost a full year before releasing the project by the time he hit me with the idea and and when we launched our site selfiecowboy.com which is totally bilingual by the way please check it out guys um it took us about a year, and in that time frame, we turned it from this fun little project into this, what we now comfortably call a label. Mm-hmm. And through that is where Openism will be releasing very satirical projects, very mm-hmm. fun projects, nice. things that hit you like that. Pop. Because yeah. it's pop. It's very yeah. much like one of our biggest influences, for sure, is Hassan Hajjaj. Yeah. Facts. Right? Who I was fortunate enough to meet. Dude, because OG, man. Yeah. OG is viewed him like nice. way back when I started the show. I think it was like episode nine or ten. Okay, sick. We had him on. Like, phenomenal guy. Yeah, and and we I met him because we designed the Bakada with Narsi 2015 at Soul DSP, right? Okay, and, wow. And you see, it gets deeper. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Deep that's what I was Hassan. And at the time, we were sent, that's, yeah. that was, so that was, my first collection was ready. I just came back from living in, from, I was mm-hmm. in Beirut for, for, for like three months, came back here with Ahmad. Yeah. We put on the, the Bakada at Soul DSP, Hassan Hajjaj is next door. You have to the left Melody Hassani doing her amazing yeah. collab with Melody Ahsani. Right? Yeah. yeah, Melody Hassani. Yeah. yeah, and and like from so y'all there, were running it like with Narsi. With Narsi. Yeah, yeah, but at this point, no, that, we met Moha for no, the yeah. very oh, first time. Oh, you met there when when he broke his leg. Both of us, both Narsi <laughs> and I, met him for the first time at Soul DHP yeah. 2015. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. and yeah. now he's killing it out here. Yeah, he is right. And so, to bring it back a little bit, Openism is a project that I never wanted to be anything more than my own work. Nice. Right? 
the only difficulty with that, and that's something that we've learned over the course of the last four years now, is if you're trying, because we're we own our own brand, we're self-financed, and we have no intention of ever selling our brand. So you're keeping your name to it. So we're yeah. keeping our name to it, and the challenge with that is when you're putting on a new brand, you have to be, you have to sh share your story, yeah. right? And at first, first I was super shy. And I didn't want to talk too much. I didn't even know how to write all my stuff. Yusuf, thankfully, helps me out with all our type and everything. He's able, like, I'll, Yusuf and then my other friend who lives in Cairo, Mariam, shout out to her in Townhouse. Um, they helped me, like, just translate my ideas into writing, mm -hmm. nice. right? And so, after trying to share my stories and, 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 you know, sharing certain stories and, you know, it would get picked up by Heist and Abadi and Hypeys and stuff like that, but I felt like they never fully captured the story because yeah. all they're I saying is the story. How did that get picked up? Well, uh, like, was there something... This guy's just honestly a beast with the emailing. I think it comes okay, down so to like this, like... Okay, so, like, you're about that, like, direct marketing on email type Yeah, game. we do everything ourselves. All right, nice. So, and, uh, but what I do, like, so I guess... The, at the time, so my first presentation, it wasn't a presentation actually, we just, we went to this trade show in New York City li called Liberty Fairs. Yeah. Uh, it's owned by this amazing lady called Sharifa Murdoch. And she yeah. she accepted us, she put us in the show. And there was this cool blog in New York City called Four Pins. They no longer exist. Okay. But um, I, I would just reach out directly to writers that I liked. And I just try to find okay. their DM or so whatever and, and hit them directly. Like on, on like blogs that you're a fan of or how'd you find these writers? Four pins I'm a fan yeah. of. Everyone else I I wasn't really Also aware that of. first editorial that Ibrahim had in twenty fourteen was like extremely visually striking. It was shot in downtown. And also the model was you would yeah. think that he'd use an Arab model yeah. or some or a brown person. It was a white guy. Yeah. Who looked Arab. Who sort of looked <laughs> shammy. In a way he yeah. like I think he worked at like a Le on La Brea, Garrett which is like he worked at this yeah, amazing glass. He works company. at this glasses he's store. He he's, an he's an optician. He's an optician. <laughs> Ibrahim meets him and is like, "Yo, you should model for me." The guy, have you modeled before? I, we, bought, we, uh, we, we went to buy glasses, glasses <laughs> but we also we also needed a model. And so it just things work for you. Like you never know where it comes from. Dude. No, You're very open to spontaneity and serendipity, and yeah. that's like one of the and that's marking. Key, yeah. You know, like for me, it's been a driver of our growth because mm. a lot of the times like like for example Reem coming on the show I've said this like on a hundred episodes before and and never wanted Reem on the show I wanted actually an Emirati girl mm. right but I just happened to have met Reem while we were recording and then the my other partners like Frost and Jib they're like yo you gotta get this girl on the show like we need her as the partner and I'm like I don't know you know like I was a bit hesitant mm -hmm. at first I was like you know what let's do it like we just gun it let's make mm -hmm. it happen and see where it goes probably one of the best things that have happened to the show like she's opened it to a whole new, new mm -hmm. world and we saw a lot we could do like a part two with her or something like yeah. that way down the line or whatever no, that, that will right happen there. trust like next time you're in town or if we come down to LA like that needs to happen because she always has something to add that is so positive and like she thinks of things the way in a way that I'd miss it mm. if that makes sense so she compl she compliments the episode so well nice. and she, she was just showing me downstairs mm. Um, the the advertisement that they did for Ronnie, the oh, yeah, juice company. Yeah, you seen the yeah the, the fire, yo! I'll show it to you. <laughs> it's it's yo, fire. Like these guys are phenomenal A to Z because like the way major corporate brands are advertising people work, mm. work the opposite. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like 
all our, by the way, our inspirations are like all of the, a big part of what we do. We just look at our friends. Right. Like, it's that easy. Yeah. I just see what my friends are doing. I'm like, you know what? I think that's dope. We mm. should do that. That's the best thing about having dope people around you. Yeah, and in a place yeah. like Dubai, you guys sure have a lot of them. Thankfully. And they're not afraid to talk. Yeah. Like, no. in L.A., there's some sort of competition or something that exists sometimes. Or, like, I have for sure seen the same cats at the same parties all over the United States, maybe even in Paris Fashion Week. Yeah. And I still have never maybe even had a formal intro. But we both know what we're doing. Yeah, you're you like, I, I recognize you from the airport. <laughs> I've I seen you since 2015, but yeah. we never had coffee. That's so funny, dude. <laughs> here, but, instant connect. Yeah, and the thing is, the beautiful thing about here is if you meet one of them, and he's yeah. with you, like he opened up. That's so exactly. true. Exactly. Right? This is my first time in Dubai, and that's one thing I can say I really, really like yeah. about the city is that uh, within the spaces that we've been, like, navigating, there's this, everyone has been super friendly and, like, yeah. super open, and, like, those barriers that you think would exist maybe in a place like L.A. or New York, yeah. totally not there at all. And, like, I felt like I didn't have to, the formalities were, like, we could push and that to the side and just... At all. Yeah, That's the thing. Like, a lot of people come out like, oh, you know, Dubai is so clicky and people like are in their little bubble. I'm like, who did you meet? Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. you just met <laughs> the wrong people. Yeah. You know, sure. because yeah. like, there are certain folks that as soon as you meet him, it's like, you know what? I'm, you should talk to my friend who does this. Yeah, we'll do yeah. great shit together. Like, I should hang. Definitely. You know, and like start connecting. And like, you know, when I was talking to Naomi, right? Mm -hmm. Naomi's like, oh, you know, she just met, she knew of Sheb because her ex-boyfriend from London was Iraqi and happened to be friends with him and that's how she connected. The Iraqi connection is strong. Yo, globally. she's coming to Dubai for the first time. Like, she knows nothing about this place. And she's like, hey, remember me? Let's hang out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that was it, right? And like, he, like, and that opened doors and like, she met people through him and, yeah. you know, how much so nice. Naomi was telling me that Sheb was actually the first person she met in Dubai as yeah. well. So it's, so like, it's like, it was just, he was the one, you know? Wasta. So, this is so funny, like, how things go full circle, um, like, on a mm. tangent thought. You, so this, and, so you were, you met Hassan in 2015, so, and you got mm -hmm. set up a car. The night before, so so was Friday, Saturday. Thursday night was the launch party at Music Room. Yeah. Right? At that event is where I bumped into Jibben for us after the gig. And I was like, hey, guys, I need to start a podcast. <laughs> right? Dang. Yeah. And that's what I always talk about. I was like, that's well, the one I was like, yo, we got to want to start a show, by the way. Right? I got this podcast idea I want to do. And it's funny because 2015, March, I think March or Feb 2015, I just moved back from Bay Area to the Bay. You were living in the Bay? Yeah, oh, my I was in the God. Bay for a while. I moved back, and then I was chasing this DJ for that year to kind of connect with him and start this podcast idea I had, and he was just like MIA the whole time. Yeah. So then I bumped into these guys the night before. So I was like, hey, so listen, I don't know if you guys know any people, but I'm looking for someone I want to start a podcast with. They're like, oh my God, we were talking about starting a podcast. I was like, great, let's sit on it. That yeah. weekend was so, the very next weekend, kicked off everything. So wow. we had that ball rolling that weekend. Too. That's sick. That's cool That's that we both... Man. We both kind of started at the yeah. same time and at the same event. Yeah. That's so crazy. And the craziest thing, you know, Alman and I, Yeah. so Yasin told us to come to this party, but yeah. we couldn't go because we weren't 21 yet. That's true. <laughs> and, and, you know, he was like, yo, I'm going to put you on yeah. the list and stuff. And then yeah. he was like, yo, you're not going to be able to go. And we were like, yeah, we know. <laughs> you know? What? That's so crazy. That's insane. So how, yeah. did, you, how did you guys know? So Omar and I grew up together, and in fact, his mother mm. 
has known me before birth. Okay. So like his mom and his family were probably the f one of the first families that brought my mom in to the Muslim community in Southern California. Nice. Yeah, and then of course he's Shami. Mm. We're no, we're so yeah, like it just it just works. It works, right? So you're saying you're a charger kid back in the day? No, I just grew, I just uh, lived here for four years. Okay, you just lived yeah. here. And from two thousand thirteen? Three or four years. Four, bro. Three and a half. What charger? Like because we have we are also in the automotive industry my family mm -hmm. so they have a dismantling okay so, yard, I yeah. shop, sir. so I'm, we had a shop there so yeah, man, to live local. That. I have a lot of family there too so <laughs> okay so music design well it's like we're very I feel like we're all very multidisciplinary so yeah. it's kind of like hard to okay, say we're doing perfect. one thing like, but like so like really like before music I'm first and foremost a writer Okay. And like, and to uh, this day, that's why he's pursuing rap. I mean, like writing, like it started off when I was younger, poetry and mm. a lot of written poetry, maybe even a little spoken word. But then that kind of developed into nonfiction and fiction writing. So I, I wouldn't say there's one type Legit. of thing that I write, but okay, but cool. yeah, and that's really the rap and is really informed by that that writing practice. And even um, Larry Abbas, the Sophie Cowboy character, mm. I think that like we had worked we had finished the illustration at this point and um but he didn't have like that story wasn't really there that story that so you kind of wrote that i was we were chilling i remember we were chilling in his in his garage and like i had just had my laptop open and i wrote this song um that's online you can you can check it out on youtube it's actually the only song i have on youtube but um, it's basically about Larry Abbasitani and it, like yeah. it follows like it's kind of like a psychedelic journey where we're trying to like I'm like Larry Abbasitani you know 300 ducats be my bounty and like all this yeah. crazy stuff and that like so I don't know it's all like really c interconnected and you know that's back so to funny. like you're saying like you try to like observe your friends yeah. for stuff that's cool I think that also in like the other way around it's it's been like trying to like almost create things that our friend group can identify with and yeah. like and stuff that already exists like like SC the Instagram account if you look at like the, the way way back the first couple of posts is like one is Ibrahim wearing like this you know like I don't know what brand what brand is it it was just like but we were like in Silver Lake and he he yeah. came across this this like I don't know maybe it's like Dior or something yeah. but it's like this um, long dress almost and we were just like LA equals dope equal desert and oh, the next post Yves Saint Laurent Yves, piece okay. yeah, that he made because you know he was li he would live in Al Maghrib. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So it was like a vintage piece, so fire, and that was like the first thing. The second thing was like I was at Union Station, and I saw this Asian grandma with a with a boogie board, and I was like, that's so selfie cowboy. So it really started yeah. off like that 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 label shit is For like fun. we were like just saying like this is an aesthetic, this already exists in the world, and yeah, we're just kind crazy. of trying to like slap a sticker on it and being like, this yeah. is that. So with our friends, it's like that's encompassed even lingo. Mm -hmm. So we we began the conversation with the Ahsan Six Thousand. That's stuff that like our friend group even will incorporate yeah. into the lingo or something. Scaff, selfie yeah. cowboy as you know, fuck something like yeah, shit like that. I don't know, dude. That's crazy. So question, like it seems like you you you're fairly intuitive about these things. Was there a point where you were creating stuff, but that it felt like it wasn't you and you weren't happy with it, and like you try to find yourself through that journey um okay so so like with openism 
one of the things that Omar and I would feel and see when we first started was that we didn't want to be like these Arab kids, yeah. right? We just wanted to be a clothing company. And the reason for that is because of who works in the fashion industry, as mm. most of us know, mm. right? And it can get a little tricky when it comes to identity, place of origin, both Amr and I are Saudi, we know who the border, who's at the border of Saudi yeah. is, right? The region's best friend, you know? Um, <laughs> because of that, we never wanted to be an Arab brand, we never wanted to be mm. anything other than what is now openism. And I, but that's not to say my clothing isn't Arab as fuck, it is. Yeah. And I want you to see that, and I want people to be wearing the thobe, you know, that's why we got like, I mean, we don't have any of the pictures or whatever, but people could find them. There are, there are certain cats that, w that you could probably find pictures wearing the thobe, you would never expect it, mm -hmm. right? For a few years, I would be making these clothing, I would be doing these editorials, we're pushing a few product here and there, certain shops, things like that, and it's just so beautiful because by the time that Yusuf graduated and was living in LA for a few months. Um, he was going through like jobs and different things like that. By the time he we came to the place where we decided, okay, SC Selfikal was going to be a little bit more than just like his personal thing. We're going to make it into a label. We're going to do more and more things like that. It was the perfect timing because at that point I realized that one of two things: my own clothing was not affordable for everybody, mm -hmm. right? And I started making t-shirts because we're skaters. We're from SoCal. All we did was skate, bike, yeah. things like yeah. that. That's what we do, right? We ride, we drive. That's what we do. So I actually started getting in the first, like the, I got into design because at my high school, we were in the suburbs, very, very safe suburbs. Everybody in the high school formed these groups and they would make t-shirts for them. Fortunately, I had this reputation where I was like, we were doing, Amr and I would be doing business things. So people were like, yo, because you, how could I manufacture these shirts? How could I get them screen printed? Oh, nice. I'd handle that for them. And then I ended up meeting this dope dude named Ahmed Ali who was like, yo, I'm going to link up. We're going to keep going with Underground Visionaries. We're going to make these t-shirts and everything like that. We got offers by a few skate shops locally. But before we sold them anything, we, we, we said no. Because I wanted to make, like, I wasn't actually wearing t-shirts, even though I skated. I was wearing, like, cardigans and button-ups. We yeah. were going to thrift shops, things like that, <laughs> right? So once we realized that, oh, we could probably sell some stuff, and Omar realized, like, oh, yo, this is probably a functioning and working project that we could probably grow. Omar and I went to New York Fashion Week. We saw what's up. We went to Las Vegas because they got trade shows and stuff there. We came back. We started manufacturing six months or three months later, actually. In the span of three months, we designed, developed two seasons. Yeah, that was it. a crazy transformation, really. Seeing yeah. that was crazy. Uh, how did you guys know to, like, hit these spots up? Um, just instant learning. Like, just massive, massive amounts of Trust Googling, your instincts, for sure. Um, hitting as many people up. So, like, th here's one thing. Like, all of us are all about learning. Like, that's probably our biggest drive, our biggest form of pleasure mm -hmm. is coming across new people just like just being able to meet you yesterday and your other homie yeah. and you know getting that intro from Shindy who we didn't even meet till a few days ago by the way oh, really? yeah. <laughs> yeah you know like yeah. and then all these things all these connections that happened spontaneously 
always allow and provide new um, sources of information for us. So that's kind of like the driving force. Plus, Alma and I have always grown up with this like uh, very, very free mentality where mm -hmm. we're like, you know, there there are nights where we we have literally gone like we've just driven up to NorCal in, mm -hmm. in like in a thirty minute decision, you know, yeah. like so. It's not that crazy for us that we did it. I guess maybe it, it sounds crazy, but it was just super fun. And plus, like, yeah. how could we not want to go to New York City? I grew up wanting to go to New York City. It's yeah. my dream, right? And then, fortunately, I went first time. To New York Academy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And how was that? So that was then, yeah. That was you Yeah. That was, that was really interesting. A really interesting <laughs> because wait so was that your thing. first time that was my first, first time, time in new york, york is always the yeah. craziest fortunately time. picturesque and exactly like the movies for mm -hmm. us so that was awesome um it actually so happened to be ramadan when we went really? and to make <laughs> matters more interesting the trade show <laughs> had no ac right mm. and so <laughs> we're here as a new brand presenting two collections when we're actually supposed to have only presented one. So I designed fall winter when everyone at the trade show was selling spring summer. But I had spring summer so too. So we put them both. Yeah. So, you just <laughs> so we put them both. Well. Yeah. <coughs> Little did we know, oh, we didn't have to develop fall winter because they already bought that. So no one was even looking to buy that. Yeah. Right? And so there's that, there's that background and that's in our head and we're here posted. There's no, he there's no AC in this spot. Humid very humid new york city in the summer is 80 yeah. degrees mad humidity we're fasting they're going around so the owner the owner of the show is super cool so she's trying to give us ice cream and stuff <laughs> right and we're just there we're trying to sell these clothes alhamdulillah by the end we get a few offers and stuff so you know we make it happen but our factory because everything is new for us right yeah, so you're figuring it out as we're you figuring go. it out we go back to la we put in the orders at the factories we don't get the clothes for an entire eight months. So of the four stores that placed their order, one of whom, I mean, crazy enough, they actually no longer exist as a company today. So maybe it was good we didn't sell to them. But at the time, they had four shops across Manhattan, wow. right? So we had that order, but that was canceled. All we ended up doing was delivering to this one store in Portland called Marcus mm -hmm. that still exists today. Um, and then... But we produced that entire collection, so we had to finesse our way into two stores in Los Angeles, one of which we're still sold at today, called Church Boutique. They're in West Hollywood, and then the other one is called The Well. And, um, like, that was eight months later, but everything's just learning experience, mm -hmm. like... No, not <laughs> it's just crazy, like, it was so crazy, that really. And, like, like, speaking as, like, one of Ibrahim's, like, really cl close friends, like, his inspiration and like the way that he looks for inspiration is so varied to where like he could it could be in his outside and he just sees something or it could be like he's reading a book or just mm -hmm. a song so it's like i don't know it's just very it's, it's i think it's the fact that you're always switched on and you're just looking for information absolutely right absolutely like passively searching yeah it's everything amazing. everything is inspo like i'm about to take a picture of this lonely hearts yeah yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah man you know um like, for example, I design my collections on my flights home, mm. right? Mm. I never actually sit down and design collections. But when I hop on this flight tomorrow night back to, uh, well, the layovers in Frankfurt, oh. nah, unfortunately, I didn't get the one way. I thought I was going to do something in Berlin, but we don't have time anymore. Right. 
but like that's what I'm gonna design. Yeah. And I don't even draw that much. It's it's all in the head. So like everything we see, everything we hear, that's inspiration. That's that's how it happens. Mm -hmm. Yo, that's that's pretty crazy. Man. Yeah, even in like like the first selfie cowboy project that we did undertake was yeah. and it still exists. It's called Abu Nodara. And that, if people who are familiar, is like also it's our first round of like yeah. merchandise. It was a shirt, but that How came do you out. How translate that to non-Arabic speaking? Abu Nadara, father of glasses, father <laughs> so of. So that's a whole story on its own. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's the thing. It's like this stuff exists in our culture and in our heritage, mm -hmm. and like so. I was reading a book. It's called um, "Ordinary Egyptians" by mm -hmm. Ziad Fahmi, and okay. it traces sort of the impact of pop culture on the formation of an Egyptian national consciousness in like the 1870s to like the early like 1920s so this this author this author Ziad Fahmi is like kind of critiquing Benedict Anderson and this idea of the imagined community which is like that the nation state formed because of like newspapers and people reading and like getting a sense of other people other Egyptians yeah. or whatever so this author looked at you know looked at the gramophone looked at uh, plays looked at jokes looked at all this kind of pop culture and said that this was the real stuff that like made Egyptians Egyptians Egyptian, yeah. so um, I, there's this amazing section in the book where this author began talking about this man Yakub Senawat who was an Egyptian playwright um, he was an Egyptian Italian Jew uh, mm. first and foremost and um, he was friends with uh, Islamic philosophers like Jamal al-Din al-Afghani and Muhammad Abdu mm. he's actually the guy who taught Muhammad Abdu French oh wow but essentially mm -hmm. he, um, he his pseudonym was Abu Nodara and he was a polyglot he spoke 12 languages like, mm. so it's, a, it's an incredible story at this point already I'm like who is this That's guy so crazy and then um, so then yeah Abu Nodara he creates he starts writing these um, at, at the like inspired and like essentially like urged on by Muhammad Abdu he mm. begins to write these letters criticizing the Khadival government so the Ottoman Turks yeah. who were in Egypt at this time who were very much uh, not Egyptian ethnically yeah. and didn't care for Egyptians and he was Watani he was a nationalist so um, he, he wrote these letters uh, and his pen name was Abu Nodara so they were like written in secret as to, mm. so he could like it's confidential essentially eventually um, that is what turned into Abu Nodara a newspaper which was the first Arab newspaper to feature political cartoons and it had like a run from like 1870s to like 1910 it was a weekly periodical uh, Yaqub Senawat fast forward a little he gets exiled to France of course mm. um kicked out by the Khadiv Ismail and from France he produces I forget which arrondissement but he, he begins to produce this four page zine and it's 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 multi, multiple languages it's written in the Amaya colloquial Arabic which is radical for the time because we're talking about 93% illiteracy in, in Egypt so the high literary establishment are doing their whole thing but the, the people the Shab are not with that no. type of literature, yeah, they're exactly. they're looking at they're going to Tamsiliyat. They're they're they're, yeah. they're looking at other stuff. So this was a newspaper that would be smuggled into Egypt beneath other newspapers. It was revolutionary. It was Crazy. contraband. It had a huge readership. Would be read like British observers from like if you read like journals from the time would attest it like to the immense popularity of the newspaper. Mm. It would be read out loud at Ahawi 
and like the fact that it was an Ameya meant that it could be like this pop it's, culture. And it's easy for everybody. To Everyone add. could understand that's it, it and yeah. it was fire. And then so fast Yo, forward. That's how you shape culture, man. That's how you make moves. Exactly. So fast forward a little bit. We're super inspired by this already, right? I do my Google search. I'm up, you know. You could uh, find anything on Google. Uh, anything, anytime any, I need something, I just any type question up. you ask, Google's your best friend. Yes. So I go like Abu Nodar, whatever, and I find that. I, someone's gonna have to fact check. I think someone from the University of Heidelberg mm. uh, wrote her dissertation on Jakub Senawat, and part of the project was that she digitized almost like all of these newspapers. Um, not all of them, yeah. but a, a majority of these weekly periodicals, a lot of them in color. And, you know, uh, some of those had been like, because, like, alternatively, he would be changing the name from like Abu Nodara to like Abu Nodara Zara, like Abu Nodara, like blue. Like, yeah. so, like, it'd be changing, it's constantly mutating. But, anyways, we go online. And it's the most striking illustrations and like layout of this page. It's multi, it's many languages. It's incredible illustrations, many of which were drawn by Jakub Sinawa. It's handwritten. Crazy. So we basically inspired by that. Um, we took we took the original graphics and rendered them from the newspaper, and we also started. Yeah, but and on. the only reason we took it is because it just so happened to be that the copyright on these things passed the 100-year mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were legally yeah. allowed to do all And no one owns Abu Nadar. Yeah, because everything, like everything we do it. is original. We do yeah. not take anyone else's work. Everything we do, we either create it yeah. ourselves or we legally take. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, yeah, that's a good clarification. Yeah. Um, so, Yakub, what's so amazing about him is that his, like, imagery, and I, and I urge everyone to, like, check out that merch and go on abunodar.net, which we'll get into, but... He, he's wearing glasses, Abu Nadar, of course, he has to be mm-hmm. wearing glasses. He's got a turban on, right? And you look at him and you just, if someone in America, maybe someone who's not as familiar with Arab culture or Islam, would look at him and say, this is an Arab, this is a Muslim, and yeah. come with all these assumptions. But this is actually someone who is an Egyptian-Italian Jew. He was familiar with the Quran. He was familiar, of course, like, look at who his friends are. Yeah. But he wasn't Muslim. Like, wasn't so, Muslim, yeah. like, the, that already felt like, like, why create something new when, like, there's, like, this existing stuff, which Hatif, I went to Egypt today, yeah. and I go, do you know what Abu Nadar is? The majority of the shop don't wrong. know who it is. Even though we're talking about something that's, like, 120 years ago. It's not that long ago. Like, yeah. this is, like, our modern, and, like, so, essentially, we revived and remixed this Abu Nadar, like, heritage and, like, newspaper into an interview website that Sick. we're pushing right now called Abu Nadar. Uh, it's abunodara.net um, and yeah you can check that out and like in the about it's like abu yeah, you send me all these links we yeah. will please yeah. Yeah. hopefully yeah. if you can yeah yeah so um, yeah and it's abunodara.net and we have we, and we interview um, we have only we have two interviews up right now but they're very like long form oh, um, like they can range from like five to eight thousand words and very conversational and informal but serious and um I think that the inspiration behind, like the maybe like the tone of Abu Nodara was that Yakub himself, he he called Abu Nodara merely a thing to be laughed at, even though the political like like ramifications and effect that this newspaper had in Egypt was significant, so significant that even uh, there's this New Yorker article that a guy named. Uh, Omar Hussein, who's, who is a postdoc at Oxford, he wrote this article, co-wrote this article in the New Yorker about how this, this the, the Egyptian satirist who inspired a revolution, and he actually very, very much inspired the, the, the Egyptian revolution. Mm-hmm. So, like, 
he's calling it merely a thing to be laughed at, and yet this thing is inspiring it in that, of a revolution. So, like, we wanted to be able to say, like, we can be informal. I can say like and dude and all this California informal language in my conversation. And we can also be talking about the realest, most intellectual <laughs> there is, the best way I can describe it. No, I like it. I think there's, like, a, a dope note to kind of... Yeah. Like, end the song, because I think it comes full circle, so we started with. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, so... so no, on a real, thanks for you guys. Thanks for stopping by. I'm glad we made this happen. Stay tuned for the Music Mix episode dropping in a couple of days. This audio experience is powered by Toothless. Saddam.